Welcome to Fiery Discourse, your podcast for media featuring dragonesses, female dinosaurs, and other similar saurians and scalies. I'm your host, Le Milanon, and with me are my hosts, Angron, Math Machine, Fado Kato, and Lucky Evie. And today we are talking about 2007's Enchanted. So let's get things started. A uh, quick tangent so, uh, Fado Kato is currently Striker. So uh, don't know if that will change right, or not. Right, he's but... just using it from now on. Yeah, we might change the username over time. So yeah, we'll see about that. Okay, so now what? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so now Disney has had a long, long, long tradition of doing basically live action and animation. I mean, they've done it basically since the days of like the Alice comedies, or even earlier than that, with the stuff Walt Disney was making in exactly. Kansas City. But exactly. Enchanted was like I feel like one of the last of them that really, really integrated, or at least integrated, like, 2D with, like, uh, live action in that sort of sense. Yeah. And it's interesting because Enchanted is basically Disney doing a self-parody of, like, their classic princess movies of, like, you know, of Cinderella, of Snow White, of, you know... Sleeping Beauty. Beauty and that. And it's... How's it going? Yeah, it's a... How's it going? It, go ahead. Yeah, it's a it's a little bit of a uh, it's a little bit of a shame because like that movie for the most part was meant to one up Shrek probably when Shrek was currently like you know not doing so hot, but like I don't one hundred percent think that was the intent. Yeah, when Shrek was no, no, it definitely so wasn't. Hot. Well, that was the oh, thing oh, is that speaking. because Shrek was such a monster monster hit. It was like every other animated movie of like the 2000s was, oh, we got a fairy tale, so uh, let's spoof a fairy tale kind of deal. And it, oh. it was good at first, but then, like everything, they did it, and they did it, and they did way too much of it. And I feel like people just got burnt out with it, which is a shame because, yeah. as you said, Enchanted is a really great and really charming movie. I feel like it, it actually probably, aside from... You know, the Shrek um, movies is probably the best of, like, the fairy tale spoofs because it's not done out of, like, malice or out of jealousy. It's more like a, a more loving tribute. It's sort of like the difference between Mel Brooks's Young Frankenstein and something like, for example, Scary Movie or Epic Movie or one of those kind of things. I, this, yeah. you can tell, was definitely made by people who cared about, you know, the original movies rather than, oh, they were all terrible, let's just make fun of them, or with stuff like, you know, like the new Chippendale movie and stuff like that. No. For the most it part. Like a, it felt like a self-parody. Yeah, it felt like a self-parody. Yeah, yeah exactly, oh, exactly. But it's one that really, I feel, works out for us. Yeah. I especially love the animation on... I especially love the animation. They really, they really uh, went all out for the uh, first bit for the most part, and that's not to discredit the live no, no, action. No, definitely, definitely. no, live action is great too. But the animation was done by uh, James Baxter, who also worked on. Uh, who's the animator of Bell? He was the animator of Rafiki. He was the animator of Quasimodo. He worked on Who Framed Roger Rabbit. This guy really, really has a lot of skill, and you can definitely see it in the two D. It definitely. 
it's you can tell it's trying to be like Cinderella or like um you know more, probably more more accurately like Sleeping Beauty, but it has a more I don't want to say modern tinge, but more something akin to like the Disney Renaissance, and that I feel really really works in its favor. Oh yeah, I, he also did uh, he also did James Baxter the Horse from Adventure Time and that one moment in Steven Universe, and it really shows. Oh, yeah. It really does show. Yeah, this guy, this guy's a phenomenal animator. Yeah. So it really was. So you know how I just said it wasn't going to happen. What? It what just wasn't happened? Good? What happened? So? Oh. <laughs> it is I'll, uh, go do that. Go do that really quick. We're good. We're good. We'll, we need to talk about this, and you can always hop back in, right? Yeah. Yeah, don't worry, man. Take it time, take it time. Don't worry about it, man. It'll be fine. Be fine. Yep. So, yeah. No uh, rush. With uh, Enchanted in general, one of the more bigger aspects of how, you know, it really works, too, is, again, with the live-action performances. Because you got to figure, these people are basically, like, you know, Amy Adams, James, Mar- James Marsden, you know, from Sonic the Hedgehog, the movie now, probably best known for that. Timothy oh. Spall. All of them basically have to play basically cartoon characters in the real world. And that is such a difficult thing to do, if you can tell by the numerous amount of, you know, let's make these cartoon characters live action movies like the Rocky and Bullwinkle one, where they try to do it and they just can't hit the mark. This, I I feel, is really, really well done. I will say this about the Rocky and Bullwinkle movie. For the most part, it actually nails what ultimately brought Rocky and Bullwinkle was. Like, oh, no, it was funny no, in does, some it moments. Does, but I just feel like... Yeah. No, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying here. Yeah, I definitely get it. But like I was saying, I, I just kind of threw it out as an example. Basically, like I said, it really is just showcases, like, the acting talent put into it. And, of course, the ironic thing is with the characters in the quote-unquote, real world. Ironically, one of the characters who would go on to be one of the, perhaps the, perhaps one of the biggest Disney princesses of all time, Edina Mendel, from, for, who, of course, played Anna, who played, sorry, Elsa in Elsa. Frozen. Oh, yeah? Wait, where was she? Yeah, yeah, I said Elsa. Um, yeah, uh, Edina Mendel. Uh, she's the other woman. Holy crap. Yeah, she's nice. the woman who goes back to Andalusia and marries, uh, yeah, Marries the she prince, the tosses prince, the bone. So really... yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that, that brings up a lot of implications, by the way, that cell phone technology can exist in some kind of you know, magical fairy tale land. But again, it's part of the satire, so I feel like it really works yeah. out for the best there. Yeah. Part of the humor. <laughs> it's very much part of the humor. Yeah. So just cell phones can work, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. It's like the part, you know, where she sings, and, you know, all the vermin come in to like clean the kitchen as like a spoof of the famous sequence of Snow White. That's something that, you know, it playfully tweaks at it, but it's not overly malicious. And I, I kind of like that um, in the movie, basically. Oh, and yeah. Speaking of Disney princesses, there are cameos from uh, Jodie Benson as a receptionist. And of course, she played Ariel in Little Mermaid. Nice. So it really was kind of like a love letter, almost in a way. Kind of like, a, almost like a mocking tribute, if you will, 
of basically, you know, the Disney formula, or at the time it was the Disney formula. Now that I feel like with the more modern movies, the, you know, classic Disney, you know, princess formula is so far removed from what they're making now that a lot of the original satire might be lost on like new audiences, I feel. I, I feel that too. Man. And also, on the subject of like uh, p- live action people doing like cartoony stuff, I like the only other person that I can feel can pull off that sort of cartoony atmosphere while also still being live action are people like freaking Jim Carrey, uh, who yes, is exactly. honestly. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rowan Atkinson is another one. He could really yes. pull it off. I mean, Mr. Bean oh, is basically yeah. a live action cartoon. So it's something that's yeah, very hard to do. But when it's done right, like in this movie, man, it is done right. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I really enjoyed that movie when it first came out. I really should watch it again at some point. Uh, there's a... Oh, no, it's great. It really, oh. really holds up. And I feel like when it came out... It kind it actually got an Academy Award nomination for best song for like the musical numbers and it didn't win but I'm just amazed it was nominated because the numbers in yeah. this I think I want to say Alan Menken worked in it and of course he worked on all of the a lot of the big you know Disney Renaissance movies he worked on you know of course Little Mermaid Beauty and the Beast Aladdin not Lion King but I think uh, like Pocahontas and Hercules. And he also did believe not the musical numbers for a little shop of horrors, so that's a little uh, five oh, today. Tell. But yeah, how it really just work? shows how good the music is too. It's like it's oh, a yeah. pitch perfect. Yeah, it was, yeah, it's basically hiring a guy to do a past day of the stuff he already did, and he nails it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh man, I really do need to go back yeah, and see it's, that. It's movie. a really really great movie, and it's also. Um, is probably the last Disney movie uh, to actually open with the um, with you know the classic book opening, which is not yeah. done as frequently as people think. By the way, it's probably a common misconception that every single Disney movie opens with like a book opening, but it's only probably oh, in like no. less than a quarter of the animated movies they did. But of course, that was the most iconic one, so that's where it stuck. And it Mostly. also was the it's first Disney even... movie. So go ahead. And even Chicken Little parodied that. <laughs> Yeah, 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 and that came out just a couple of years before. And that again, it, it this is pretty much the anti Chicken Little, and that this is Disney basically poking fun at Disney in a way that works. Whereas Chicken Little is the same type of thing, but man, it just really does not come together. It's one of the few Disney movies that I actively <laughs> cannot stand. Is um that? But getting back to uh, Enchanted, I really feel like what helps about it is the reactions to, quote-unquote, the ordinary people to these fairy tale characters. Oh, yeah. It really showcases, like, for example, Robert's reaction to, you know, Giselle's, you know, giddiness and that. Oh, it, yeah. it, it really just works out for the best because it showcases, you know, and it brings realism into it, but it also has the element of fantasy to it that, you know, she brightens up people's lives and stuff like that. I also really enjoyed the joke with, like, uh, the prince uh, seeing the TV and thinking it was the magic mirror. <laughs> oh, my yes. gosh. It was, oh, that, yes. like, like, so like hilarious. That, that is that is it's something that's been done before and, like, several other stuff. Like, then there's, like, a Twilight Zone with uh, 
Buster Keaton where they kind of do the same joke, but it's it's an old joke, but it's one that really, really just works out so well. Again, because of his dumbfounded reaction and the part where he's singing in Central Park and, you know, the bicyclist, you know, almost run him over. It's stuff like that, that it just really, really works out for the best. That the cycling one is exactly, also exactly. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, man. And of course, and of course how they handle the uh, animal sidekick is really well done too because of course in you know the the let's say, let's say this way the fantasy world the, the chipmunk is a sidekick he can talk and in the real world he can't he's pretty much almost like a a normal animal in terms of you know in terms of how he speaks and that and that also creates an interesting uh difference between the fairy tale and the real for mm -hmm. example Mm, I feel yeah. like it really works out yeah. for the best. And in a way, mm. it kind of predicts, although they were being made around the same time, so I don't know if this is intentional or not, the part with him getting stuck in, like, the hamster ball really reminds me a lot of Bolt. It made me wonder if, you know, they took from that or Bolt took from this. Because they yeah. both were being uh, worked on around the same time. And you have to figure, this too, this movie was a hit for Disney. This is probably one of their bigger hits in that uh, pre, I want to say pre-tangled, post-Emperor's New Groove Disney um, area that wasn't Pixar. It basically, this was probably one of their bigger successes because it manages to take the Disney formula, poke fun at it, while also basically recontextualizing it for a modern day. And I feel like it really works well because of that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I just looked it up, and Bolt stole from Enchanted, so... Oh, boy. Ta-da! Ah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I have I not seen the sequel, by the way. I do not know uh, if it's any good mm -hmm. or not, and uh, I have not seen it, so if anyone here has, um, maybe they can tell me how it is. Disenchanted. No dragonous content in that, so we can't exactly review it for the show, but... Aw, uh, yeah, I I heard that. I'm a little bummed. I'll double-check just to make sure they don't pull, like, a surprise, like, Oh, hey, dragon! Oh, shit. Right, oh, hey, right, like, hey, oh, Norris is alive. Or if they pull, like, uh, like a Little Mermaid 2, Norris's crazy sister! Or cousin, <laughs> or whatever. Even, like, the weakest... Yeah, exactly, exactly. Kind of like how they did in uh, the second Little Mermaid. They had Ursula's crazy sister was the villain. Also, I like, hated okay, that so why much. Why wasn't she mentioned on the first one? I hated that so much. <laughs> Ursula was oh, my exactly, favorite character exactly. from the first movie. Mm. Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> really doing Ursula and, uh, disjustice. Speaking of Disney yeah, definitely, definitely. And speaking of uh, Disney villains, it's time to talk about the uh, big Narissa. lady herself, Narissa. Oh, now, yeah. Narissa clearly is based on Maleficent and uh, also Grimhilda, the evil queen from Snow White. Um, yeah. Definitely yeah. more Maleficent in design, but also, of course, she has elements of Grimhilda, you know, like turning to the same, almost the old hag uh, disguise that, she, that, the, uh, that the evil queen uses in Snow White. And also, Narissa is a better live-action Maleficent than the live-action Maleficent we got. Uh, yeah, that's a bit of a shame. That's a bit of a shame. I mean, I didn't. Yeah. yeah, I didn't mind the live-action Maleficent, but how? But how they overall tackled the movies was not very great. Like the concept, exactly. nice. So, so it's like, the they did it so much better. 
<laughs> of course, of course. And of course, they they rectified that here because to me, basically, Narissa is the only live action Maleficent movie you need. And now, yeah. the interesting yeah. thing is that it's been hinted at, and several comments on the internet have been made about this that Narissa was almost always a dragon, and you can kind of see it in the 2D section. Like, oh, her yeah. hands at one point look more like dragonous paws. Her, around her eyes, the eyeshadow shadow looks almost like scales and that. So it really could be a sense of foreshadowing. And it also, really is a shame that we didn't get to see, at least for like a brief second, a 2D version of Norris's uh, dragonous form. Because oh, I feel yeah. that would be something that might be really, really interesting. Oh, like, yeah. Really also, like opportunity, but again, I wanted to keep it a surprise. Also, uh, a little uh, also to add to her uh, sort of draconic side uh, in one scene where they're at like the divorce office uh, she's uh, looking through the fish tank the fish are looking at her and she's like nap nips at them like <laughs> oh man like how to train yeah, your dragon oh no, i know even... it's crazy it's crazy yeah how to train your dragon had even hints that she's a dragon oh. Yeah, like she's she her layers a cave for crying out loud. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. It's like exactly, exactly. That's why a lot of people, you know, on the internet have said that you know she always was a dragon. And so it's a very compelling theory. It's something that you definitely can yeah. watch it and say, huh, that really does make a lot of sense. And yeah. of course, getting back to the whole Maleficent comparison, that her transformation sequence at the costume ball is identical to Maleficent's. However, oh, yeah. unlike Maleficent, I love how Narissa still keeps her her personality. I'm not saying that Maleficent didn't, but you didn't get to hear much of her talk. And I feel like this movie really rectified that with Narissa almost taunting and teasing like Giselle and Robert and that. And it just works out so, so well. I feel like, you know, her evil speech, you know, climbing the spire and that. It just is so amazing. And it is so well done for this amazing. movie. Oh and yeah. Narissa herself looks great. For 2007, that is some fantastic CGI. I mean, oh, you look yeah. at like some other stuff being released at this time and she holds up. Oh yeah. Especially with like the, the face, you know, with the eyes and that how expressive they are. Yeah. It's, it's, it's... not on the level of say Safira. I will say Safira technically looks a little bit better, but we'll get to that in the Iragan episode. Yeah. Aragon. Aragon. I'm looking forward yeah, to Yeah, Aragon, exactly. Aragon, Aragon, yeah. But yeah, I'm really I'm really fascinated at like thinking about it. I'm really interested at how ultimately uh, Narissa holds up compared to other things nowadays. Not to yeah. say other things aren't like 100% not great. There are some that actually hold the test oh, of no, time. No, exactly, like exactly. There's a clear difference between like and ones that haven't, like say the uh, the Scorpion King and the Mummy Returns, where he looks like a PlayStation Two character. Oh my goodness, <laughs> that was. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I personally didn't mind that. I could notice it, but yeah, he comes I out didn't as like the. Have... <laughs> oh man! <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Uh, it really, it really must uh, strike a chord with you. <laughs> <laughs> It did not look at all good. It's like they blew the last of their budget on that. Oh, man. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, I, I can know, notice I know. it. It still didn't look good, but Narissa herself looked just so great. 
And again, what's interesting too is once he climbs the building, of course, that's a reference to King Kong, you know, one of the oh, yeah. most famous movies ever made. And yeah, it's 2003 one. Yeah. 2005 and maybe the 33 original but that's for later but if there's also another reference to a movie that i find i don't know if this was intentional or not but if it is okay. intentional somebody at disney really has really good references because there's a part where narissa screams and lightning strikes her and she's and lightning strikes behind her when she's on top of the tower and that that is i swear to god shot for shot from a movie called Q the Winged Serpent. Now, Q the Winged Serpent is a 1982, uh, I guess you'd call it fantasy horror, about a giant mm. dragon attacking New York. And there is a shot, I, I swear to God, it looks exactly like that. And I have no idea if it was intentional or not, but it, it wouldn't really surprise me because the dragon basically, I, I don't want to say mounts, it's not the right word, basically, um, Basically climbs a tower exactly like the one Narissa does, and you know does the same type of roar with the lightning. So I really, really think that might have been an intentional reference. And if so, that is awesome. That uh, someone what, at Disney. What year did this movie hey, come out? Reference a 1982 horror movie. 1982. Ah, I see. Gotcha. <laughs> I just heard I it. So. To add this to the list because I am it's interested right. in that. Probably. We'll yeah, it's, it's a really good movie. It's a really good. I, it can't really be done on the podcast because, unfortunately, Q is not a female. They, they say that in the movie, even though there's oh, like a nest. Gotcha. Q is technically a male dragon. but And Q the Winged Serpent, I, I don't want to go with too much on Tansen here because I don't want to do that. You know, but right, Q right, the right, Winged right. Serpent is a weird movie in that the effects are good, but the acting is so weird. You know, mm. it's, it's one of those movies where the acting choices are just all over the place. But I really oh. think... That the scene with Narissa basically screaming with the lightning is definitely a cue the winged serpent reference. Well, uh, I might as well just watch it one of these days then. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, definitely, definitely, it's a fantastic, fantastic movie. And uh, I think it's also being shown on your uh... is that Narissa. I think it's also being shown on your uh, Sorry, movie movie t- movie thing tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, oh no, 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 no! That, that's a that's a totally different movie. Uh, we'll talk about that another time. But basically, okay. uh, getting back to Enchanted for a second. Basically, uh, Narissa is one of, if not like one of, if not, not not the last, but it's probably one of the last big Disney villain deaths. And her death is extremely memorable because not only does she, you know, like slip off the spire, you know, and you can actually hear her like enchanting a spell. She gets impaled on part of the building and falls down while on fire. That is just hardcore. It's I mean, like Maleficent, you know, was stabbed with a sword, but this is just going all out. And oh yeah, I can imagine a lot of kids in the audience were pretty surprised at that. It's, oh yeah, I mean, especially to for be Disney, fair, especially for 2000s era Disney, as memorable as Clayton's death from Tarzan. Oh yeah. I remember. Oh, definitely, that. definitely, definitely. It's on that level. It's on that level of like hardcore. It's like, how did Disney of all companies get away with this? I mean, she's falling off the thing. She's on fire. She's screaming. She's trying to get Impaled. like a spell out, and then she just explodes. And that is just something that is just so unlike you know Disney villain deaths. Because for the most part, you know Disney's villains' deaths were basically. 
off screen for the most yeah, part. Uh, unlike, I mean, granted, unlike, the horned, king. unlike like the horned King. Oh, yeah. yeah. Exactly. And, yeah, and exactly. Mother Gothel. He, I mean, his flesh is melted off his bones. Oh, yeah. And Mother Gothel, Mother Gothel. And, oh gosh, Dr. Facilier. Literally getting Dr. dragged Facilier. down to either Papa Legbo yeah, yeah, or hell. Absolutely hell. Absolutely hell because, like, he's a. Oh, he's yeah. A oh, devil, definitely. <laughs> that, that is just something, too, that is so hardcore. And, like, Mother Gothel's death was basically the last of them from uh, basically Disney because after that, all of their villains have, were either, like, twist villains or, like, now, where there's no villains at all. And that makes Narissa, I feel, really stand out because, in my mind, she is perhaps the most underrated Disney villain, period. And that yeah. she is Thanks. the last of the, let's say, classic Disney villains uh, or like the original Disney villains. That she basically represents basically the last of her kind, basically, in a way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Indeed. I mean,. To be fair, we would get stuff like Zantiri from uh, the Tangled show, and uh, I we also got uh, we also got Turbo from uh, from Wreck It Ralph. Oh, but Turbo! Yeah, that is. Oh yeah. Right, right. Uh oh, oh, oh. disconnected. <laughs> disconnect. Yep, disconnect. Sadly, there we go. Oh, yeah. Back. Sort of, you know, time period or that basically that really showcases what type of, you know, villains Disney were capable of doing as compared to now, where they don't do any villains at all, period. And For I feel like it's part. kind of a shame, and it's really just... Yeah, yeah. Oh, unlike, it's, a, it's a bit of a shame. Unlike Mary, po Mary Poppins Returns, when they just decided, let's make the bank the villain. Yeah, I mean, Brandon. well, that's kind of like in the original, but... In a way, the original was more subtle about it, I feel. Yeah. And again, that's another, you know, live-action animated hybrid that, you know, Disney did. Yeah. And it was one of their yeah. biggest movies, that, and, you know, Bedknobs and Broomsticks and all that. Oh, and yeah. It just kind of went away for a while. But this, I feel, was the last of the great Disney movies in a lot of respects, I feel. Yeah. And in a lot of respects, it really, yeah. really holds up. And I feel like... And, and yeah, it did really financially and critically well, too. Although, and this is something that is just so crazy, some critics felt that, you know, Dragonus Narissa slowed the movie down and should have been cut out. And it's like, really? No. You want to count out the whole climax of the movie? It's like, yeah. what is wrong with you? What exactly, the fuck? exactly. It's something that's just so out there. Exactly, exactly. It's just something that is so out there and it's so stupid. It shows that a lot of movie critics do not know what they're talking about because it just really, without Dragonus Norissa, I feel, it really um, just is the final showcase, basically, of a lot of things of Disney. And especially, especially, again, with the special effects. I mean, this parts of her, like, when she, you know, looks down at Robert, it's like, she is almost seamlessly integrated in it. Oh, yeah. And I guess yeah. that's incredible because when you figure, you know, 10 years earlier, there was the movie, you know, Dragonheart, which also tried doing a CGI dragon with a human. And Dragonheart is a pretty good movie. Don't get me wrong. It's fine. It's fine. Draco looks terrible today. And comparing, like, him to Narissa is like night and day. It is incredible. Oh, yeah. I mean, heck. Well, like, they can integrate a character like that on, like, a live action background and such. Yeah, absolutely. It's a live action background, but Narissa keeps her poise 
and still looks good for it. Like there are there are not that many films that do that for the most part. She's still. Oh, definitely, definitely. And the thing is, too, with Norris is that she really just. I love, I love, and I really wish more movies that you know had you know dragon dragonesses as villains or characters rather turning into dragonesses villains would do this. Is that she really keeps herself and her personality. I love the echo effect they put on her voice, you know, almost like, you know, the voice of power and that. But I love, I love how she taunts them, basically. Yeah, intimidating. How she basically shows off her superiority. Oh, yeah. and, such. and Susan Sarandon's performance is great. I mean, you know, she really, of course, the animated part, she is great. But when she's Narissa in the real world, even in a human form, not just the dragoness form, even in the human form, she sells it. You buy that she's like a classic Disney villain that has been planted out of her reality and plopped in the middle of New York City. Oh, and man, she is easily, I think, my favorite part of the movie. Not just Dragonus Narissa, although Dragonus Narissa is definitely up there in terms of uh, uh, the greatness of the movie. Just Narissa in general. She's like, oh, yeah. like I said before, she's one of the last great Disney villains, and it just works out so, so well. I mean, granted, we would get stuff like sm- like Benedict Cumberbatch's Smog, and he really sells the Hobbit Hobbit trilogy, especially. Oh no, no, no! The, I, I still say Smog is the best depiction of a dragon on cinema, but Narissa may be the second. She is that oh, yeah. good, and I really, really just enjoy her. And now, oh yeah. The interesting thing with Enchanted in general, I mean, it was a big hit. Uh, did great at the box office. Great critical reviews. Nominated for an Academy Award. Award, yeah. Disney did nothing with the franchise. They did absolutely nothing with the franchise. They just sat on it. There was talks of making Giselle uh, an official Disney princess, but they couldn't because of rights issues with Amy Adams because they based Giselle on her face. If if they were like to make dolls of her, merchandise of her, her fee, so Disney were like, yeah, we're not doing that. So that's sadly, but there wasn't like that's... a sequel or a TV spinoff or anything until recently. And of course, <laughs> that was made for the streaming service. Exactly. Sorry, go ahead. I was about to say they yeah. made a sequel, but I don't think it was gonna. But again, it, it was, was like gonna how top many years too late? It's over did. ten years, fifteen years too late, and. I think it was honest trailers that made this observation in their criticism of the new Hocus Pocus movie. They said something like, remember a time when movies like this could be released theatrically rather than being dumped to a streaming service? And I feel that is so true for Enchanted, that this movie needed to be released in a theater because that's a lot of the problem with the streaming services. And again, we're like Disenchanted, is that just dumping it onto a streaming service itself just really, really just does a disservice, I think. A disservice to this movie and a disservice to, of course, Narissa herself, who easily is one of the greatest dragonesses, I feel, in uh, cinema history, to be honest. Oh, yeah. She is that good. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. An, an interesting part of her design, too, just getting back to you know, her design from it, is the, like, the wings on her, because Maleficent famously you know, had small wings, and of course they took that with... Uh, Narissa and strangely enough I feel like it I feel like that part of the design really showcases how much care put into it it's something that's so insignificant and you but it's a reference to an older work it's one that 99.999% of people will not get and yet it just is so ambivalent 
of just how much care and love. And the same thing too is with like with Narisha's scales, they have like a shine to them, but it's one that really just works for her. I feel like it works for her because again, she's like the center of attention. She wants to be, you know, seen. So in that way, I feel like it just works out so great. Yeah, absolutely. Oh man, I mean, uh, other I mean, other people like uh, let's see here, uh, other other dragons like Nelly, uh, Nessie, and uh, oh no, there's lots of great Disney dragonesses. Don't get me wrong, that they probably have like you know easily, of course, some of the best in the uh, industry, probably because they made so much. But I feel like Narissa is probably. She's not as good as Maleficent, because I feel like Maleficent gets points for being there first. But Narissa is easily, easily up there. She's in at least the top five of, like, you know, Disney dragonesses. She is really, really great. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Not as perfect, but granted, the, granted, I don't 100% think that was the intent. No, of course, of course. I always and found it interesting how... Uh, Narissa, well, while Maleficent had the prototypical Western uh, bulky body style dragon, Narissa had something of a Eastern long, lanky kind of body, which was uh, a bit different to me for the time period. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Right, right. I never thought of that before. You're, you're right. It really... See, I feel like that design might have also been intentional to differentiate her from like the Western dragonesses. Maybe it was an intent rather than to make her like have a cartoony shape to her have probably one of the more realistic depictions aside, of course, from like the eyes and the mouth and that. But her body shape is probably one of the more realistic depictions of a dragoness on cinema. And I feel like that might also have been part of the intent. That part of the intent was giving her a design that basically was a shorthand to what a dragoness should look like, Absolutely. basically. Uh, while I'm still a sucker for the Don Bluth dragons... Yeah, that was that was amazing. Absolutely, the Don Blues Dragon definitely, certainly. Definitely. Oh, definitely. Yeah. All right, now it's time for um, this week's question, which is: What is your favorite Disney live-action film? This could be anything, like not just live-action animated hybrids, because if it was, I'm sure that we'd all, you know, have pretty good assessment. How about just live-action in general, and then maybe live-action animated hybrids, I, and uh, see what our answers are. I am. Uh, oh. I've had this since childhood. My favorite. Uh, it'd have to be Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, same oh, easily, here. Easily, that's that's definitely one of their best. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like the first Pirates in general is so well done, but I feel like it's two sequels. It's like the perfect trilogy, you know, with yeah. Davy Jones and, of course, with the East India Training Company. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like ones, great. I feel like the yeah. two sequels made after kind of soiled the experience in a way and that they uh, yeah. it was a little bit too far. It's like you could have just stopped with, a, you know, Dead Man's Chest. Or, or rather, I'm sorry, uh, at World's at End. World's you could have just yeah. stopped with that one. And you could have just, you know, had a perfect trilogy, but they wanted to make money, and they made the two follow-ups, which then... sadly were nowhere near as no. good. Yeah, I mean, granted, Blackbeard looked pretty amazing. Yeah, Blackbeard. I oh, think no, Blackbeard I think himself I was fantastic. He was the he was a good villain in a bad movie. That's how I look at it. Like oh, a lot yeah. of the problems with I feel uh, the Fort Pirates 
is that they really just had no idea where to take it, and this was also the time when Johnny Depp's uh, erratic behavior on movie sets started to become more and more well-known, so he kind of dragged down the production with it. But mm. yeah, overall, I feel like the first three Pirates of the Caribbean movies are some of Disney's finest. Now, my answer to what my favorite Disney live-action movie is is probably going to be a more unique one than most, and I'll, I'll tell you why. It's actually 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. This was done mm. in a night in the 50s, and the visual effects on this are just so incredible. Like, the shots mm. of the submarine. You know, this is this back when computers were the size of a room, so there was no CGI. Oh, it's All like of this is done practically, and it just looks so amazing. The giant oh, squid yeah. attacking the ship. Exactly. Yeah, Tron yeah. 2 is another example of great special effects, you know, made before CGI. Although that was probably more the beginning of CGI. But anyway, back to 20,000 Leagues. Of course, you have uh, Kirk Douglas, you have Peter Lorre, and the only time he ever played a good guy in movies, because even in movies like Casablanca, he was always sinister, he was always wicked. And I feel like in 20,000 Leagues, he finally got to play an unabashed good guy. And, of course, we cannot talk about 20,000 Leagues without talking about, you know, James Mason as Captain Nemo. That mm. easily is one of the greatest performances, not just performances in, you know, a Disney movie, performances, you know, in an adaptation of a book. Greatest performances in cinematic history is his version of Captain Nemo. It is just so well done. And it's a really, it's so more obscure today compared to what it used to be. And I highly recommend that everybody seeks it out. 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. It is such a fantastic movie. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I can understand. I have never seen the movie. It's probably on Disney+. Plus, But, yeah, I agree. It's really, an, it's really uh, interesting that, to hear you say that about the movie. I might definitely give it a watch. Yeah, have uh, my favorite live-action movie would have... Would, well, I have a top three, if that makes any sense. The first, uh, number three, it would have to be Tron and uh, Tron Legacy. I, I am the only one who will stick up for Tron Legacy because... Same. Same. Uh, say I what you will about Master... I do too. Awesome! Oh, fuck. Right. I really love that movie. Especially for the... If not for the music, Daft Punk does Daft Tron Punk Legacy's music, sick. and it's... Fucking epic! I, I own the CD actually. I, I bought I bought Rezzed on iTunes at one point. So ah, oh, same, yeah. same. Oh man, yeah, yeah, Daft like, Punk really made the music did. in that they film. Did. Oh, they definitely did. They, they, they were easily probably the best part of Legacy. Of Mouse. So, what's your number two? Uh, <clears throat> Uh, I, I have a second number three. Uh, second number three is Tron and Tron Legacy. I I, I also love Tron Legacy because. On top, because uh, no disrespect to Master Control Program and Sark, but holy crap, Clue was is also if Narissa was uh, uh, the most underrated, I would arguably say that Clue is one of the most underrated because his plan, he is pretty much a foil to Kevin Flynn, and it honestly mm -hmm. shows in the most dark ways. Right, Let me tell right, you that. Yeah. Well, the yeah, way he brought right. back, you know, Jeff Bridges from the original is really well done. I feel. Oh yeah, absolutely. All right, number two, I would honestly have to give it to. Uh, oh gosh, what was it? Uh, I would have to give it to Roger Rabbit. Oh, I agree with uh, that. Too. Which, oh, by oh, the way, definitely, definitely, Roger Rabbit yeah. is is easily up there. It's, it's definitely my top. Oh yeah, top three. And it's just one of those movies that we will never ever get again. 
like the stars aligned in, in like a perfect celestial oh, yeah. way to get yes. that movie to be made. There yes. is no way you could make Robert that today. Zemeckis. And I mean that in many ways than one. Just the rights issues alone. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I actually I actually made a... Oh, okay, I'll, I'll sure, speak. I was just saying, Robert Zemeckis' films these days are just not as great as they used to be. Oh, no, compared to, like, the greatness of Roger Rabbit and Back to the Future and Forrest Gump and all that, how much he kind of just is going to, like, the... uh basically Disney remake well, basically, you know, with Lion King and with Pinocchio, and they really turned out a shame. But he, the man did Roger Rabbit and Back to the Future, and those two movies alone are always just, you know, you got to basically get out of jail free card for making those two movies, basically, yeah, in my eyes. Indeed. Yeah. And I forget I forget who the animator was for Roger Rabbit and also... Richard I, I, he, What? Richard Williams, he also did, uh... Yes, he yes, did yes, everything. yes. That, yeah, that was him. Uh, but yeah, that's also my favorite live-action animated blend. Not gonna yeah, lie. Yeah, that actually was gonna be my answer as well. And it was, oh, yeah. That was my, yeah, I think my second answer probably would have been Mary Poppins, because that whole Jolly Holiday sequence is just so well done, especially with if you learned how they did it. It is just so amazing how how well put together that sequence is. But yeah, for my favorite uh, live-action animated hybrid, again, I have a tie. It's between, Ma you know, Roger Rabbit and Mary Poppins. Yeah, Mary Poppins and Mary Poppins Returns are both tied for number two in, t in that regard. But number one is also the Pirates of the Caribbean trilogy. Damn. Not the no, other two. Not I not have yet to two. see them. I saw... I saw... Um, uh, I saw the fourth uh, Pirates the one with the mermaids, basically, yeah. right? On Stranger on Tides. Tides that's what it was yeah, called. that one, that one. I saw on Stranger Tides. I saw that in theaters, too. No, I didn't, and I, I, I have walked away it. so disappointed. I didn't see it in theaters. Yeah, but, on yeah. TV, like on Stars or something, and it was just... Yeah, I will stand up for the trilogy, though. It had really great villains, the premise was really dark, and honestly, it got a little weird sometimes, but I will say this. It, it it was a lot more consistent than what we got in like uh, the a four and five. Oh, definitely, yeah. definitely, it definitely is more better than that. All right. Um. Yeah. Uh, what about uh, what about you, Math? Uh, keep up with the uh, pirate theme. Uh, mm -hmm. Muppet Treasure Island. Oh my goodness. Oh yes, that is uh. so good. If we're counting Muppet movies. If we're counting Muppet movies, okay, that totally changes the whole, my whole thing. Because, I'm sorry, Muppet Christmas Carol and Muppet Treasure Island are the best. The best. They they would probably be maybe not as good as, like, 20,000 Leagues or Swiss Family Robinson and Mary Poppins. But, man, those are just so great, so fun. God, I love them. When we do the episode on dinosaurs, you know, Jim Henson's dinosaurs, I'm just going to gush about the Muppets for, like, half an hour when we do oh, that yeah. episode, I tell you. Yeah. Right. Oh man! Oh man! Man, 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 man! Over fifty percent of the episode is going to be on the Muppets themselves. <laughs> yeah, the Muppets on general. That's going to be so much fun. We're not going to have a time to talk about you know Fran Sinclair on that. We're going to be gushing about the Muppets, but you know it is just God Muppet Treasure Island. That is just so hysterical. I, I had like the VHS as a kid, and I would watch it over and over and laugh every time. I have it on yes. TV now, and I still laugh hysterically. I mean, oh, God, yeah. They, the so the jokes in there are really fun. 
have yet <laughs> to watch those, unfortunately. Uh, well, and yeah, you're not. You're gonna miss out. Believe me, you are gonna. You are really gonna like them. I think that yeah. is such a great, great. They, they were a great time. More movies, yeah, like, uh, more movies to add to the list of what I should watch. Yeah, there's all like I have a top three overall of Treasure Island stuff. Uh, number one's easily the the 2000 Treasure Planet. Uh, cool. Number two would be Muppet Treasure Island, and number three unabashedly would be the uh, one with Doctor Livingstone. It it's so oh, the, weird, the, but the Soviet one. Yeah, yeah, that was a that's such a weird movie, but it's just Soviet the one. animation is incredible. It it really really is great. Yeah, the, the Tunish antics so really works good, too. But the, the movie is so so good. Oh yeah, the movie is awesome. Oh man. Oh, yeah, definitely. definitely. <sighs> yeah, what really so helped Muppet Treasure Island? For... Sorry. Yeah, what really helped Muppet uh, Treasure Island was that uh, they actually found an actor who was more animated than the Muppets themselves in Tim Curry. Oh, oh Tim yes. Curry! Another thing, yo. Tim Curry. The last week's episode, Tim Curry, man's great and everything. Shame he wasn't in this, but. Can't have everything uh, in life. Yeah. <laughs> so right. now it is time to go to the patent pending dragonist scale to rank oh, yeah. Narissa herself. And I will start, of course, and I am going to give her a 9 out of 10. Right. It's actually a higher ranking than what Maleficent, oh, than I think what Maleficent got, but I feel like she just gets that extra point mostly for the fact that she is arguably the evil dragonist who speaks the most. And just her characterization, it just works so well. And the effects look so good. I really, I can't give her a perfect 10. Because I feel like a perfect 10 is meant for like the really, really, really great ones. But she definitely is really great enough to where she has to get a near perfect score. Yeah, absolutely. I would give her an 8 out of 10 because it's been a while since I've seen Enchanted. Also, uh, her design... For the most part, while smooth, slender, keeps in character. I don't know. Something about the mouth kind of makes me feel like it's... Eh. But still, it's a very high grade. And I'm honestly really impressed that uh, we got to talk about this one. Especially with her impact and the overall impact of Enchanted. So yeah, that's an 8 out of 10 for me. It's a 9 out of 10 for me. Mm. I'm a little biased yeah. when it comes to certain villainesses, honestly. <laughs> no, yeah. Way, we, who isn't? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Math Machine? I'm actually going to be the voice of dissent here. Oh. I'm, I'm a six because mm. I just do not like the design as much. There's a, especially the, the head crown part, it, it invokes the images of the Jabberwocky to me, the way that her body and her particularly head are made and it just doesn't look as intimidating as i want it to be and it just doesn't click with me where are the yeah, jumper off my son i think that the head crown kind of works in more of like a way of like regality that you don't really see in a lot of dragonesses but it matches her outfit basically yeah basically and it matches basically you know her character you know the evil queen basically absolutely. Well, i absolutely agree with the the symbolism of it and i do appreciate that but in practice i just didn't no, think no, it definitely, definitely. Me. And uh, Evie, uh, what do you think? What rating would you give to Nerissa? Well, I think the same. I think the same 
Same one, like another six really out like of ten. Yeah, I don't want like I don't really like the head shape. Mm, that's true. Oh, right. I mean, yeah, that's, that's, really that's fair like enough. You know, nobody can always like everything. I, I like. Yeah, you don't have to like everything. I like the head shape mostly because, like, yeah, I the head so. shape isn't so. bad. It's, it's more I, like I the overall it's, it's head. Right. That's yeah. Like, I don't dislike the head design. It's unique, but like. It's uh, not enough to really have me rank it any higher than eight. She's certainly exactly. great in character, oh, indeed, and again, indeed. the design works. But yeah, there are some things about uh, about the head that really make you think. Hmm, yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. For exactly. Me, it's, um, but it's yeah, because I really enjoyed the Skyrim dragons, you know. Same. I also enjoyed Smog. I also enjoyed Charizard. I also enjoyed the Spyro franchise. Remember, there's so many great the, ones, yeah, and we're definitely going to get to a lot of them on this podcast. Of course, the, oh yeah, the uh, the one I don't know what it was called, but it was the one dragon from uh, Super Mario Odyssey. Mm, oh yeah, the the oh, yeah, Lord of right, Thunder. Right. Thunder, that's what it was. Thunder Lord, yeah. yeah. On a couple oh, months, man. we might be talking about uh, Mario uh, with dragonesses and, you know, female Saurians, so be there for that. Indeed. All right. Oh, yeah, you so, she's... if you have any questions, or if you want to talk more about Q the Winged Serpent, you can email us at fieryDiscourse at Outlook.com, or visit us on Twitter, on Twitter.com slash fieryDiscourse. Next time, we'll be talking about the 2021 movie, Raya and the Last Dragon... Heck yeah. We're going to talk about Sisu, that good noodle, and what might not be such a good movie. And Maybe. until then, yep, take care. Yep, later. And scene.